fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, something for all the social justice warriors and alt-right knuckleheads to ponder. Creating solutions is incredibly hard. Your endless bitching and whining, way too easy. Quit pointing at problems and start digging for answers. The crazy tale of blues legend Leadbelly. Nuance, bison, imaginary squirrels, and the hard truth that no words will change the minds of those who have no empathy. Now that's a show. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 103, 103 of the Drunken Dows podcast. I'll stop being excited about the century mark sometime around 130 or 140, I think. But damn, that's a lot of shows. That is a lot of shows. Imagine um, if everybody gave a nickel. Anyway, that would be a good chunk of money. Yeah, the, speaking of giving, thank you to Datsusara for sponsoring our show. Thank you for on, to Onnit and thank you to Sure Design, the trifecta of our sponsors who have been in our corner longer than any white sponsor would do. For sure. The, um, you guys know the drill. Check them out. We love all of their products or they wouldn't be our sponsors. That's Usara with the best temp gear up there. So if you need a backpack, a travel bag. A yoga bag. A yoga bag. That's right. He just started a whole great stuff, high quality design, and they last forever pretty much. So I love their stuff. On it, with the speaking of trifecta, they have the trifecta of their thing, which is their food. Uh, um, there's a food section, there's a supplement section, and there's a workout gear section to on it. There's probably even a little more. There's some apparel and so on, but that ruins my trifecta metaphor. So I'll stick with that. The, um, check them out lots of great products are on it I've been as I mentioned in the last couple of episodes on a buffalo bar kick lately those things are awesome and I really like the guy who makes them for on it um, I don't know him personally but some of his support for the no DAPL thing has been epic so I dig that I saw where the bison is now the American official mammal of the United States which is how it should have always been yeah. right it's like yeah buffalo is awesome too As a, you know, if you eat meat it's way healthier than eating any other kind of meat so better than skinless uh, chicken yeah it's perfect so check it out on it and while you are at it you can check out as I meant, did you try the new Alpha Brain, the one, um, yeah, the, the, the instant one? Yes, I dig that one. I feel it more. Um, the I peel like, form, I, some I people like, feel I like it, it feels better. I think really, that, yeah. exactly. That's the that's what I mean about individual chemistry. Everybody's yeah, I'm not different. Here to trash anybody's product, but no. I I still like the the pill form better. You know, it's funny because yeah, I hear that from a couple of people. I also heard the exact opposite, which is my experience: is the oh man, the instant one kicks in so much better. Where individual chemistry is a strange beast, but yeah, check them out. Yeah. 
supplements are great. They made them with no expenses spare to give you the best. So check that stuff out. And of course, short design with the funkiest, coolest t-shirts out there. Having said that, why don't we jump right into the episode? Here we go. Today we have an edifying story from the pages of the Old Testament, featuring our guy where we left off last time, King David, who by now became king. He had to deal with a minor civil war with one of Saul's sons, the previous king, got rid of that guy and became the undisputed, undefeated king of Israel. Yes, and you know, he started conquering neighboring nations, do his kingly stuff. And as a good king, he also realized uh, he has that Mel Brooks moment of it's good to be the king, where <clears throat> one day he's out in Jerusalem in his palace. Money bath! Yeah, and um, he climbs to, you know, he's up there at the top of the palace, which I'm assuming is above everything else. So he gets a panoramic view of the city. And from there, he sees a woman in a house within within something he can reach with his eyes, apparently close enough to get a good idea. He sees this woman at the top of the roof. She's taking a bath. Nice. And he's very intrigued with what he sees. He goes, oh, 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 I like to get myself some of that. So he promptly sends one of his henchmen to her house saying, hey, King Samondio, please show up. She goes back there, they have royal sex, and uh, all is good. Is that only because he's a royal, or was it actually they really don't, great? Well, the Bible being the Bible, they don't tell us, because who cares whether she consent or not, what's her opinion, what are her ideas, are completely uninfluential in the narrative. We get to know, you know, that's not a... We don't get a, too much of a female-friendly narrative in the pages of the Old Testament. I got confused. So, we get that. And all sound good, right? Actually, to quote from the Bible, and David sent messengers and took her, and she came in onto him, and he lay with her. Came in onto him. Yeah, I don't even want to. But I thought it was the, the know her is to love her. Complicated. It it's is. very complicated. Problem is, the woman, by the way, named Bathsheba. I'm guessing married. She's married. And she just got pregnant. And it's a bit of a problem because the husband is a soldier fighting in the Jewish army in the front lines during these wars of expansion. He's not around to father the child. That poses a little bit of the problem, the fact that now she's pregnant, because if the guy finds out, that could raise a whole lot of uh, unpleasant questions. Well, that's easy to fix. Either frack him. Right. That's always a good idea. Or... Virgin birth. 
that always works as well. But in this case, David is a nice guy. He doesn't want to kill this dude. He's like, how about we make it simpler? Let's figure out a plan to make him think that the baby was his. She oh. just got pregnant, so hasn't been that long. Call him back from the front lines. And, you know, he say, I need a report from the front. Send me back this guy over to deliver me the news of how things are going with the war. <clears throat> so he figured, perfect. You know, he entertains him, give him a big banquet. Thank you for the news. This was very excellent. And the message is, okay, now please go home to your wife. She Conjugal really wants to time. see you. Yeah. Unfortunately, his balls had been ripped asunder <laughs> while in battle. Not figuratively speaking, oh. perhaps, but not. Uh, <laughs> what happens is that um, this guy said, no, I can't. You know, my brothers in arms are fighting in the front line and sweating and dying and stuff. And I'm here enjoying myself. I can't go to my wife and enjoy myself. The and king commands. And David is like, no, really, you really want to go to your wife. Please just do that. Okay. And he's like, no, no, no. My sense of duty is a betrayal of my brothers in arms. I can do such a thing. And David is like, Okay, motherfucker. I guess we have a new plan for you in that yeah, case. Yeah, back to the fragging. Yeah, thing. let me pen this letter for you. So he writes this message, seal it, say, please give it to your commanding officer, and um, let's talk about it next. Have a good life. He, This poor guy brings his own death warrant to his commanding officer without realizing, hands it to his commanding officer. The guy opens it, reads it. He says, this motherfucker that just brought you the letter at, at the next battle, put him in the front line and everybody backs away. So leave him alone in front Ooh. of the enemy and let's let's deal with that. So that's promptly what happens. The dude gets killed. What? The angels of the Lord didn't come down and protect <clears throat> him in a big circle and... Yeah, all of them. No, there's uh, enemies squash him in uh, miserable death. And um, so David is free to add this guy's widow to his list of his long, long, long list of wives. Uh, yes, the, um, because there's a morality tale in all of this, of course, as we can. Because uh, you have to have a king or things will get crazy and out of control and people will be sleeping with each other's wives. Yeah, that's right. Wait a minute. <laughs> Down the road, the prophet Nathan heard about this and got pissed off and scolded David for his action and promised triple punishment. And he knew all of it? Who? Who's, I don't who's know. On the, the, king? the either yeah, the some of had to run his that mouth. could be or some of his pals were like, hey man, he put him out there and then he ran. That could be Nathan or one of the angels just whispered in Nathan's ears. One of those, but the triple punishment will be David will never be free of fighting. So throughout his whole life, he will be wars and fighting and this and that. Which David probably is like, I'm the king. That's what we do. Uh, what's new with that? <laughs> so the. Um, his concubines will have sex in public with someone close to David. All at once or apparently well, as we'll find out in a future episode all at once. Wow. Yes, we shall see about that. And because you know the God of the Old Testament is loving and just, the child that he just fathered with this woman in this illicit affair will be killed by God. And just in case that we think that is Nathan that is crazy, no, promptly God make sure that the baby gets sick and die. So, yes, in this edifying morality tale from the pages of the Old Testament, 
Um, if you screw up, babies will die. There you have it, folks. That can't be any clearer than that. I'm going to need a chart. <laughs> find something to rant about. Is anything bothering you today? Oh, God, let's rant away. So today is Daniele against the Ward. Um, I properly know how to pronounce the name of my opponent. Ward, Ward, Ward. Please drive. World. Thank you. But that, that works. Yeah. The five-inch blade is coming for you. Because the... Um, because there's... Uh, you guys know me. I tend to not necessarily be aligned along ideological positions. I'm gladly gonna hammer on everybody from opposite side of the spectrum today. So let's go play with that. Specifically, my news feed on Facebook, Twitter, emails, everything, I get these non-stop messages always. There's a monstrous amount of bitching about social justice warriors. Ooh. Now, Let's first hammer on the social justice warriors. So is there something to that? Yes. There is this really stupid tendency that somehow has become popular on the left, or at least in some segments of the left. Not it's, And again, you get into the generalization. It's like the left does... No, it's not... Like there is no such thing as the left and the right. There are completely random different groups who are considered left or right that have little to do with one another, let alone with the other side of the spectrum. But in any case, there has been a tendency, particularly on the left, to somehow decide that this culture of censorship is a good idea, that it's a good idea to start cranking down on what words can people use or not, to a level that, I mean, I understand when you don't want super hardcore obviously racist language being used like it's fresh water i get that that okay we agree on that yeah but people cannot be as so thin-skinned as they are now you can't do anything yeah that's the problem when you take it i mean i give you an example just to talk about where it gets to these batshit crazy levels uh some author of i think he was the guy who wrote lies my teacher told me he was uh, at a conference he started quoting passages where people use the word nigger in the past, right? And he's quoting it to make an anti-racist argument, right? He's quoting the evidence of these guys using racist terminology to make a point. And people went nuts on him because he used the word. And he's like, I'm not using it, I'm quoting somebody. I'm actually making the exact point. And somehow that was enough to have a witch hunt on it because it's like cannot use the word ever in any con it's like come on man there's doesn't it, doesn't it lose its power once people start using it that's the other problem that because it has been so abused now if you ever talk about racism it has lost its power because there has been so much crying wolf about screaming racism in a million different cases that really where racism plays no role yeah then now, even when you are faced with genuine, horrible, nasty racism, people tend to dismiss you because it's like, oh, racism again? Yeah, right, whatever. And it's like, 
So the thing I don't understand is that these people are shooting themselves in the foot because if they actually care for the very causes that they say they care about, they are just giving themselves an approach to hang themselves with it because is they are doing a disservice to it. They are creating the backlash. They are creating the the very fact, for example, that you know a huge part of Trump's popularity has been in some way a revolt against the whole uh, ultra-PC ultra PC social justice warrior thing. So the idea that the more Trump says batshit crazy things that nobody in their right mind should ever say, it's like, you see, he's a real man. He talks like he me. He's not censoring his speech. He's not catering to... So you have idiots catering to idiots and creating this setup where, so, you know, the whole social justice warrior thing is obscene. You know, there is just a degree of stupidity on the part of the left there that's downright embarrassing. It shows up in the platitudes of like trying to argue, you know, this habit that somehow if you are dealing with Islamic terrorism, you cannot mention religion has nothing to do with Islam. It's purely the product of U.S. imperialism that's creating this backlash, you know, this kind of stuff that is like... Okay, you don't need to go either or. It doesn't have to be that if you say that there are problems with some aspect of Islamic theology, you are becoming this Islamophobe who argue that all Muslims need to be deported or shot. There's a bit of a gap there. And in some way, if you actually were a little more nuanced, you wouldn't alienate people with a message that's obviously far from reality by arguing, no, there's no problem whatsoever with Islamic theology. You're obtaining the opposite result, you know? So that's kind of my problem, and I do see it. You know, I do see this uh, culture of censorship and ultra-PC being fairly popular and being ultimately really stupid, just really, really... I saw, Oh, my God, I saw another one, the, an article not so a few days ago about um, a Conan. I think it was a Conan the Barbarian board game. I forget. In any case, there was enough... Uh, uh, one lady would work on the campaign for this, then was horrified because there were there was a lot of nudity in the imagery. And I'm like, it's Conan the Barbarian. What the fuck do you expect? The whole thing is built on muscles and boobs, you know, on female nudity, on male nudity. It's oh, it's kind of like watching the Spartacus TV series, you know, where everything is the bodies on display. Everybody's objectified. And personally, I dig it. That's part of what I like about it. I'm all for, you know, as long as you treat people nicely, what the hell is wrong with enjoying the female and male form if that's your thing? What point did she come along and not understand what was happening? Exactly. To me, it's like, dude, if you don't like it, don't watch it. Nobody asks you to, to participate if that's your thing. Just don't. Jeez. things like that are the things that will uh, so the whole notion of no we should remake a Conan that's a little more PC is like are you fucking kidding me you don't make Conan PC that's just not the way it's designed to be that's the exact so you know stuff like that and I get again I get it I see enough examples of it to realize that it's a real thing and it's bullshit Having said that, at the same time, now all the people who are now with me saying, yes, that right, those stupid social justice warriors, don't worry. I may have it for you too, depending on where you're at on this. Part of the issue is that for every time where I actually see some genuine, crazy, politically correct social justice warriors on steroids type of bullshit... <laughs> There are about 250 times that I ran into men, mainly, mostly straight and white, who bitch endlessly 
about how the political correctness is oppressing them and how the current cultural climate doesn't allow for men to be men. And the standard thing is, and again, I see it even more than I run into social justice warrior bullshit is I run into people complaining about social justice warriors, but like to a level that's not even close. Yeah. It's like for every really bad social justice warrior story, I run into a hundred that are people whining about it. And the whole thing is always like, oh, feminists are so mean to me. Political correctness is oppressing me. Social justice warriors are ruining my life and don't let me be the manly man I want to be. And in case you are missing the good old days of tough manly values, here is a free tip for you. A real man, in your definition of what a real man, wouldn't whine so damn much. You know what's manly? Not whining like a little bitch is manly. That's a manly thing to do. Jesus, fuck, enough with the endless whining already. It's like, grow some actual balls and stop the endless complaining. It really is like the old she, the He-Man uh, Woman Haters Club. It's, it's crazy how upset they get. And, oh, a woman is only to chase your money until she springs off to the next fellow. Oh, fella. man. The, for the springboard to all that crazy shit. Totally. And you run into this old, like, wannabe misogynist bullshit that is like, again, are there women who fit the profile? Of course. Yes. But does that mean that suddenly... It's like the standard thing I see is, again, mostly, not only, there are also women who do this, there are minorities who do this, so don't get me wrong, but you're, I'm not saying only, but primarily straight white men who are endlessly complaining about how they are an oppressed minority and everybody's being so mean to them. And I'm just like, so let's put that in perspective. Like, I teach in universities, in the heart of liberal Santa Monica, California, which is the kind of place that... Half of America believe you'll be burned at the stake if you don't wave a communist flag and swear loyalty to politically correct policies every morning when you first walk in. And don't forget your rainbow scarf. That's right. And everybody's gay, right? My, so my workplaces, you know, Southern California colleges and universities are the blueprint for the kind of places where political correctness is supposed to rule. And yet, I show up. I am not exactly the guy who's going to fit perfectly in a super politically correct model. I regularly show up to teach with T-shirts featuring Conan the Barbarian chopping people's heads off while naked women moan at his feet. I cuss in class. I regularly express highly unpopular ideas against both conservatives and liberal ideologies alike. Uh, I talk about religion in less than measure terms. I, You're kidding me. I, I wrote an open letter to the academic world, publishing my book, um, besides being spread on social media, that ends with Tupac's words, fuck you and your motherfucking mama. The podcast, as you guys well know, are filled with description of boobs. Um, I'm a big fan of female nudity in the ways that many feminists would consider sexualized, objectifying ways. Uh, in my books, I've admitted anything from illegal drug use to entertaining cold girls to everything in between. So please tell me again how I play it safe and, you know, I'm, oh, I can slide by because I probably play by politically correct rules. You know, if one-tenth of what people say about the liberal culture of censorship was true, I would have already been fired from every job I've ever had, you know. 
And again, this is not to say that there isn't some of that, because there is, it's horrible, it's annoying, and it's a bad idea on the part of the left. There is some of that, but it's just a fraction of what people, of the boogeyman that people have turned it into, of how big of a deal they make it sound. It's, I live in that culture, I'm in the middle of it. It doesn't get any more PC than the places where I work, and it's still not nearly as bad as people advertise it. So, you know, while I'm sure I am hated by some people for some of the above scenes, there are no lynch parties at my door, no bob mobs demanding to silence me forever. So, you know, and again, this is not to say that there aren't tassels somewhere trying to enforce a culture of censorship, but, you know, my point is not censorship is cool and we should go by it and don't complain about sense. I'm not saying don't complain in that sense. I'm saying deal with things in the right proportion address something when it's there don't turn it into this ghost of this bigger than life larger than life thing that is really not there is not as perceived as purge pervasive thank you yes yeah. my english was failing me there for a second I think it was pretty close no, it's funny. I mean, I remember when the, the stupid Ghostbusters movie came out last year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People exactly. go crazy. You know what? At the end of the day, you can hate on that for the very reason because the movie sucked. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have anything to do with women characters. Right, right, right. Exactly. And that was crazy. Totally. No, and you do see that, that kind of backlash that show up in everything, right? It's constantly in... Uh, about ethnic minorities, about women, about, you know, it's all about this kind of gay. It's all about these guys are, are, and, you know, I get it. It's part of the pendulum swing that go back and forth, but it's like some of the excesses on one side, in that sense, the culture of the whole social justice warrior stuff is feeding a resurgence of right-wing ideologies, becoming popular even among people who are not that stupid even not among, you know, the toothless rednecks somewhere, but even people who are somewhat smart are turned off by some of the PC culture. Yeah. And they are then willing to lend an ear to people that sometimes I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you really quoting Alex Jones? Are you really quoting Milo, Milo whatever the fuck his name is? Are you? These people are poison, and you think that somehow just because they are yelling at somebody who is an idiot and they are right to yell at somebody who is an idiot, somehow they are any good? They are just mild. All of these fuckers, they are the social justice warriors of the right. Oh, they are yeah. doing the same thing on the other side. They're it's the mirror not images of each other. Completely. And, oh, that Milo shit is poison. Yeah, and I mean, it, these guys, they make a living on controversy. Yeah. They thrive on pissing people off so that their name will be in the media. The more people protest them and ask for boycotts, the more they are feeding into them, right? So it's kind of like... But that's the thing that I hate is like the stupidity of the left encouraging the stupidity of the right, which encouraged the stupidity of the left, which encouraged... It's just this back-and-forth pendulum swing between idiots that's really a race quite to the annoying. It is. It, it is. And, but and the question, real question is how do you fix it? I mean, it's such... Because you're right. 20 years ago, no one would bitch about, oh, women are so mean to me. And to hear white men complain about how they've been trounced upon? Well, that's the thing. is like people love being victims... And people who complain about other people wanting to be victims, they still want to be victims. You know, it's kind of like 80% of Americans identify as Christians, and yet Christians claim they are an oppressed minority. Mm. 
you got, you know, crime rates have dropped dramatically compared to decades ago, and people constantly whine about the good old days when you could let your kids play in the yard, you know. There's always this bullshit. And again, I'm a big fan of, I mean, in some way one can say, hey, you're complaining right now about this bullshit, okay? Sure, and I'm not saying, in fact, that you cannot criticize things or you cannot complain about stuff. You can. That's in some way, like we have a rant section, right? It's kind of about this, so it's funny. The point, though, is eventually, let's move on. You know, it's like, yeah, point to the stuff that's wrong. Great. That's usually step one in fixing a problem is identifying and saying, hey, there's a problem there. And then push for solutions, push for ideas. And in this case, really, I mean, the problem with this is that the solution is not a easy seven steps. Uh, if you just do take this one step, the next, the next, the problem will be solved. The problem is uh, raise your damn IQ a little bit. You Big know, time. the problem is the the solution to the stupidity of the left is not the stupidity of the right and vice versa. The solution is not being stupid. That's a good start. Well, in the circling the drain that we have going on right now, mm -hmm. it seems like the only thing that really fixes is some real live misery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... You know, they didn't come out of World War II complaining that, oh, girls are kind of mean to me. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that white kid shouldn't be wearing those dreadlocks and... I know. What? And vice versa. And the guys who then complain about this nonstop and all they can talk about is the PC culture is trying to silence me kind of thing. Which, again, are there people who, sure, there are individual cases where that's true, but for the most part it's not. You know, the majority of people that I hear bitching about this stuff are people who haven't seen the university with a binocular. You know, they don't have no idea. It's shit that they read in the newspapers, in social media. And part of the thing is, if you are running with this narrative, because it's an easy narrative to get attention, your job will be find one case of some complete batshit crazy social justice warrior trying to impose a really stupid policy somewhere in the US, yeah. slam it everywhere in the news, ignoring the fact that, of course, in 99.99% .99 of interaction on college campuses, that's not going to be the norm. But make it sound like that's the norm so people will respond to it and be like, do you see what's happening on America's campuses? And, you know, that's the... Do you think they have the same problem on the Liberty Universities and the schools like that? Do you think it's a... I mean, again, it's like... flipped that... on its head. Totally, totally. That's why they are made for each other. You know, the alt-right and social justice warriors, they are the same people yes. who just happen to have been indoctrinated by different ideologies. Different flavor of the same asshole. Totally. It's kind of like when, uh, you know, Dan Carlin had this series on uh, Nazis and uh, Soviets fighting each other in World War II, right? <laughs> It's who, like who to root for? Exactly. It's like it's it's the same shit, right? It's they hate each other. They are on opposite sides, but it's same totalitarian bullshit. So to me, that's my I guess warning on this. If you want to take an actionable step on this stuff, is just because you hear somebody who's criticizing rightly the stupidity on one position don't necessarily jump in and assume that their position is any better. Because just because you can point to the fact that somebody's an asshole doesn't mean that you are not an asshole. You know, it's like, so... No, but that's what invites the people. Oh, I know how you feel. Oh, yeah, I'm the totally. Soviet. All of a sudden, now you got a team together. Totally. That's interesting what you say. Like, the Soviets all the way on the left, the Nazis all the way on the right. But once they turn that corner... 
it's the they're same shit other. totally exactly and that's why to me on a much smaller scale because of course you're not talking about genocidal maniacs but the social justice warriors and alt-right or however the fuck you want to call them on the right it's a microcosm of the same dynamics you know these guys to me are the same they are equally intolerant of different viewpoints they are equally indoctrinated in their side is the only one that's right it's it's the same thing you know you've already have the solution from years ago do tell gladiator oh yeah yeah i'm always a big fan of like yes please get these guys give them all an axe get them inside a coliseum and the pay-per-view numbers would be ridiculous. Pay-per-view numbers would be awesome. Tonight, Milo takes on whiny, cunty girl from Omaha. I know. The problem of those fights is that nobody would ever, nothing would ever happen because nobody would be able to pull it off because they suck on both ends. But yeah. but yes, that would be fun. Is uh, I think we had an episode on that entitled Gladiator for World Peace. Yep. That's exactly where uh, my... Su- uh, I still am confident that eventually the Nobel Peace Prize will see the light and will award me at least a nomination for such genius ideas to solve uh, the world conflicts. But until then... Well, I think this is only going to get worse in the short term. Yeah, and and again, it's that... It's that Man up and shut up! Yeah, it's that polarity of there's always something bad out there so it's very easy to build a consensus on let's hold rally against the bad thing. But then when you knock out the tyrant, then you have the job of actually creating something. And then when suddenly all consensus goes to hell, because the only thing that kept you together was that you hated the same guy. But when it comes to actually creating solutions, that's obviously a whole lot harder hmm. than to... So like France after the guillotine. Exactly, right? And it's what happens with most political revolutions is in most cases you get rid of one asshole and you replace it with something that in the best scenario is marginally better. And that's kind of the gig that you get over and over. Again, creating solutions is damn hard. Creating solutions is not an easy thing. Sitting back and bitching about somebody else's stupidity, easy. We do it too. Because it's easy and sometimes it's even necessary to point out this is not the right way. But again, going from this is not the right way to sitting down and doing the real hard work of figuring out what the right way is, that's a whole other battle on on, on a whole other magnitude. Now I'm depressed. Why, why, why? Again, none of this depressed me. It just seems like it's a long way to... I guess, or maybe it's just the, the gig... That is the gig. It's like it's the, it's the look, dualism. It's all these, you know. Yeah, let's play. Let, let's be entertained again. by some of this because the reality is you're not going to be changing the world's public opinion. You know, stupid people are going to always exist in yeah. large numbers. Yeah. The duality of the one stupidity on one side will build stupidity on the other will always exist. Uh, the best you can do is limit those numbers, encourage people who are smart not to fall into those traps help them keep a more nuanced perspective, make sure that the monstrously stupid, rather than being, I don't know, 80% are 50%, Ooh. and that's a huge step ahead. The dynamics are not going to change once and forever. That's not going to happen. Nope. So enjoy the ride and try to lure as many people as possible on a more sane side, on a saner way of looking at the universe. I call that a win. And all you bitches are going to die anyway. <laughs> We'd like to thank everybody for joining us for this uh, four and a half year adventure of the Drunken Dallas, because obviously there would be no listeners 
<laughs> after we've ransacked everybody. Right. After that's part of the problem with quote unquote nuance is that it's very easy to have a built-in audience when you take clearly one side. Yes. You know, it's like, the left is evil. Okay, you're going to have 3,000 right-wingers on your side in three seconds. And it's all the, um, you know, it really takes nothing. Then you repeat the slogans over and over. It's like, all the problems of the world are those guys. And you have a ready-made audience. If you argue the exact opposite, you have a ready-made audience. You have the right, it's all the problems are stupid conservatives. So, again, you are hardcore anti-religion, you have a ready-made audience. You are hardcore religious, you have a ready-made audience. There's always somebody. But if you have a more nuanced position where it's not about completely black and white, that's a whole different story. You guys who are even bothering to listen are a rare breed because it's not easy. It's not, there's no single, who's that guy? Oh, he's the uh, anti-left guy. Oh, go to, you know, we'll listen to him. It's, it actually requires you to listen, to think, to consider things back and forth, to ponder, which is a word I enjoy. Yeah, that's a great word. Um, and that's obviously is by necessity, by IQ, really, it's less people. It's simply, it's just where it's at. Well, it's just reached a point where if if you don't pay any attention to what the other guy says, you're never going to find any breaks of common ground anyway. Right. So you're just going to sit with your team, with your color on, and that's it. And that is it, indeed. Um, let's not do that. No. So stick around, everybody, and be pissed off. It's good for you. Thank you, guys, for sticking around with us. become the theme song i like that somebody's backing into the house yeah there's um construction taking place not too far from here the new will the new wing of the the church of Baleli is being put in right now yeah exactly the swimming pool the multiple wife chambers no it's sadly some motherfuckers are building into the canyon going into wildlife habitat putting 30 gazillion houses but I was just thinking as I drove up, what this place needs is a few more houses. Yeah, of course, right? That's you know they were going to put a 300,000-person development up by Magic Mountain, which will flood out Ojai, which is like the last dark sky that we have. Yeah. No. Somehow I got knocked off the books for a minute. but That's good. Oh, I have another good update, too. My favorite place, Amoeba Records. Oh, yeah? Getting bought out and to be raised for a giant glass steel structure. It looks like that's on hold for at least five years. Really? Which may be enough time to get a uh, landmark status. So worst case, it'll be like up where the the little record store will be like a niche. That's cool. The, yeah, I'm that's totally something. fine with that. That's good. But we can't get rid of that. Good stuff. Well, two, two battles won and not the one right here. <laughs> anyway, Isabella Moment... I just I'm hours away from just sending my daughter up for her last semester of her undergrad. Last already, Jesus! We've been doing this a long time, man. Wow, 
That's yeah, crazy. you remember me weeping when I took her up there the first time. Yeah, but that means she did college in four years. Yeah. She's like one of three people who did college in four years. She knocked it out, and, and we were figuring she had a couple C's her first semester. Yeah. And last semester was a 4.0. So right now, if she takes 18 hours and gets straight A's, she'll have a 3.50. Good for her. Something, nice. Something, something. nice, nice, nice. Good for her. So I said, go for it, you know? First semesters are always the ones that kill your GPA because you don't and have you don't the know what hang you're doing, of you what, the yeah, focus. Totally. You're outside of your, yeah. you know, you're taking those other general ed classes that you do not care yeah, about. Yeah, you need to take the easiest possible classes your first semester because yeah. that's where you're going to screw up. So you need to have like very soft landing with yeah. easy not courses. Not time for statistics no. just yet. And then slowly you can inch it semester by semester toward harder stuff. What do you think? I mean, at the end of the day, I said, look, if you end up with three, four, eight, yeah, okay, you don't get a chord, you don't get the cum laude, but yeah. does it really matter? I have no, never had anybody, oh my, your 3.28 grade point average, just, we were going to hire you, but. You know, I was hearing this, uh, I was kind of distracted because it was right before Savannah's fight in the locker room, but I was hearing this discussion that, like, his, uh, Savannah's coach was uh, talking about school. Yeah, the okay. devil. It was hilarious. He was like, so, but he, at some point I heard blah, 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 blah. I never finish high school because I drop out of high school. And it was like, he was actually kind of funny. I was training jujitsu and my, my jujitsu teacher said, uh, you don't want to go to school. Come on, you have talent for this. What the hell are you, why would you go to school for? And he was like, well, I kind of like math. And he's like, math, who cares about math? You know, just train jujitsu, forget this stuff. And apparently he put some guy on his tail to make sure he wouldn't go to school. I was like, I was dying laughing because it's wow. the exact opposite of what you hear where you get the guy who's like, sure, jujitsu is important, but make sure you attend to your schooling. Get and reach, Yeah, no, he was like, that's not exactly the way it played out. Wow. Wow. Think about the effect that had on his life. Yeah. Some really not great advice from someone. He was like, yeah, he, he was saying, yeah, that's probably not the best advice ever, but it kind of worked out for me. But yeah, but I wouldn't do well, it to somebody else. Too, so. Yeah, it was pretty funny. It's what the Lord had in mind for him. His yep. pathway was laid out at a young age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So stay out of school. Children. Wait, that's not right. Yeah. Drop out. To, what was it? Good old Timothy Leary. <laughs> Tune in and drop out. Yep. <clears throat> cool. Isabella. So we have um, a couple of... I'm actually reaching back into the past for some strange ones. This was... She's probably four years old. These both have to do with um, her wanting me to be somebody else. So in one occasion, first thing in the morning, she come up to me and she told me that I'm not Daniela anymore, or at least not for the time being. You're George Clooney. I am Nico the dog. I am her dog, you know, or rather her grandma's dog. And she just, um, I guess he's missing the dog or something. So accordingly, for the next couple of hours, I had to run around the room, fetching anything that Isabella would throw Yikes. while running around, barking at imaginary squirrels that were not there, but I have to pretend that I'm really mad at them. And uh, more often than not being scolded because I'm a bad, bad dog. You're a bad dog. Yeah, and that was two hours of my life right there. And what sort of damage did that do? Uh, infinite. I can imagine late at night, you know, just when the voices are starting to step in. Right. You're a very bad dog. I know. It messed with my self-esteem. And the imaginary squirrels, I haven't seen those since mushrooms. And <laughs> that's, yeah, not good. And on a similar note, 
on a different day, I guess uh, her grandma was uh, traveling or something, so she was missing her. So her solution to the dilemma that she's missing her grandma was, I have to speak in falsetto for the whole day and pretend to be her grandma, and I have to act like I'm her, and then she won't miss her so much. I thought you were going to have to go and pull some DNA from her hair and clone her. <laughs> That's basically how my day went, just like that. So the strange things you do for your children. And I guess, speaking of which, I'll show you a picture, which sadly, because this is a podcast and not a video, we can't quite share with people. Maybe I'll make it the episode cover. Well, I, don't I saw know. that well, just a day or two ago. That's not a bad look. It sort of reminds me of the sort of Coolio thing that was going on about 18 years ago. Yeah, Isabella got a hold of me uh, with the obsolenes and question of, uh, would you mind if I play with your hair for a minute? Both strands? Yeah, I had... Um, how would you even describe that thing that's the best i can do is the, the coolio sort of multi-directional uh he would have sort of like cornrows going up in it but, but these are tiny little ponytail it's uh scattered across his head yeah the very top of my head i'm less than impressed with the work of my hobbit size their stylist but that she see she's obviously as you can tell from the picture extremely pleased with herself she is, and that's a she good dad a, face you really are looking like it's all right i mean I, yeah. as you can see i still have the sparkly fingernails i saw that i saw while well, you were setting it's up the, the mics same thing nothing Daddy, changed, you want huh? no it doesn't change and you're just as trapped as you're always going to be good but to it's know. a good trap to be in yeah yeah as far as traps go not a bad one so as far as the uh, follically challenge there mm-hmm um, mine is going into overdrive. It's yeah. going to reach the back of my neck in about three days, it feels like. Yeah. Just and you're abandoning gonna... me in massive chunks right now. Well, just there's always the Rogan option. Of oh, that's the only option. I would, never, completely, I would uh, never fight it. Right. I might, do the, I might have the Captain Steubing, this sort of <laughs> Picard look. But right. it's just crazy, man. Yeah, Once yeah, it decided yeah. it was up. It's well. On it's the, no big secret. On the good note, apparently the follicle challenge is a sign of extra testosterone. On average, that's at least that's what I heard, and that's my story. I'm, I'm sticking with that, to for it. Sure. Yes. I heard it from an expert. That's. <laughs> I had a barber tell me, you know, there is a way you can keep your hair if you if you really get on it right now. You can save that hair in a jar. Yeah. Right. <laughs> friends it's story time but today maybe not so much murder and mayhem are you kidding me yeah i'm kidding you are you kidding me we are playing with mr huddy william ledbetter better known as Ledbelly. uh primarily blues, blues folk legend born in the probably 1888 1889 somewhere around there um, Back before they had calendars. Yeah, he's not a big fan of keeping... Tra also, multiple identities due to his troubles with the law. So, you know, the, the, the details get confused. There are all sorts of stories regarding why his name... Because nobody knew his real name. Everybody knew him as Lad Belly. Which is kind of funny how these early blues musicians, they always had this, uh, you know, Howling Wolf... Muddy Waters, you know, they had basically Indian names. It's the equivalent of pure American Indian names where you get, you know, these visuals that goes with the name. There's no name that's Joe Smith. It's always some 
pretty well, who's cool. Who's going to go see that? I'd rather go see Lead Belly. You know, I think it's because he had a, a fondness for chili omelets. Well, there actually there are various theories about it because, of course, legends abound in this kind of thing. One is that he was able to drink some of the nastiest moonshine on the planet Ooh. and somehow be unaffected. I have some relatives so, like that. Exactly. So that's one theory. The other one is that he got stabbed in the stomach and despite that he was totally fine. Somebody else argued that he got shot in the stomach. Who knows? Uh, in any case, Lead Belly. That's uh, the nickname. His life is rather interesting. He's learned uh, to play music as a kid of super poor black folks. Started playing primarily as a, in a brothel as a kid. Um, that's how you make your musical... Uh, lots of musical careers were born there. And um, by the, A lot of them ended there. By the time he was 16, he was on his first wife and had two kids... He'll end up having four of them uh, throughout his life. Or Wives or something. kids? Wives, oh. kids, who knows? That's after a while you start losing track. <laughs> There's, um, it's kind of interesting because on one end, he's this musical legend. And uh, in perfect Caravaggio style, his criminal career seems to be as developed as his music. He, at one point, got into a fight with some dude when he pulled the gun and whacked him with it and got into this giant. So he was sentenced to a chain gang from which he promptly escaped. So we're pounding, you know, crime on top of crime. Created a new identity. All goes well, except that he's lead belly, so he's not going to be away from trouble with the law for too long. So in... Uh, Perfect, Johnny Cash. Uh, you were saying it while we were reading this story. I, yeah, yeah. I killed the man in Reno just to watch him die. He killed some guy in Texas. Apparently, was the husband of uh, his cousin. And uh, this lady had problem with her husband. Led Belly decided to go straighten him out with a gun and a knife. Things got a little out of hands. Killed the dude, beat up a few others. In Texas, killing a guy in Texas tends to be worse than killing a guy in other parts of the country since their enthusiasm for death penalty is high. Probably even more so in 1921 or whatever. And when you're black. Yeah. Um, well, except that he killed another black guy. So that's not considered as bad of a deal in Texas of those days as if he had killed a white guy. I shot a man in Texas. Because he was mean to my cousin. That's basically probably not how the story cool, goes. Not quite as cool, but, you know, he's probably more historically accurate. <laughs> it is the where the thing gets crazy. So you're a black dude uh, convicted of killing some guy in Texas in that part of, you know, your odds of getting out are not the highest, particularly because the governor was the only authority at the time who can issue a pardon, had run on a campaign promise that he would never pardon a single convict ever. Hmm. So, you know, your odds don't look incredibly well as long as the governor is alive. Apparently, however, the governor was a big uh, music lover. And so when they started telling him, this guy who managed to smuggle a guitar inside the prison would uh, play for the convicts, for the guard all the time. And everybody said, this is amazing. So the governor said, oh, what the hell? I'll bring my family. Let's go listen to the singing convict. I hope the guitar came in a cake and not through a like an orifice. Uh, that would be a really small guitar, hopefully, but you never know. <laughs> I don't know. Big Charlie's going back in, everybody. <laughs> We're putting a steamer trunk up there. Anybody got anything? <laughs> 
<laughs> we called him lead anus. <laughs> exactly. They, uh, the governor really likes it. So the he has this, by the way, when I say really likes it, where I was referring to the music, not uh, shoving stuff up in your ass. I got you. Lead colon. The, um, goes back a few times until eventually he's like, okay, fine, pardon, it goes. Wow. So he literally just, thanks to his guitar, managed to walk out of prison in Texas on a murder charge. Wow. He, um, not satisfied of having done it once, he decided to do it a second time. So he's later in his life, he's in Louisiana, stabs somebody, this time a white guy, that's mm. bad. So off to Angola prison farm you go. And again, he managed to, they managed to convince the governor, in this case of Louisiana, a different governor, to let this guy go because he's too good with the guitar. Well, they had that famous shit, I can't get enough of Stabbing Whitey. Right. I can't get enough of Stabbing Whitey. I like how the knife goes in so easily. That was a big one. Yeah, that's apparently... But, I mean, can you believe this story? It's like, how the hell... It do doesn't even seem possible. Get out Plus, of... He had the priors before the murders... Yeah. Didn't anybody want him back on the chain gang? Uh, he had those guitarist hands. He just wasn't where the shit banging rocks. So. Life magazine in the 1930s ran an article about him entitled, again, this is the 1930s, so we can imagine what the titles look like. <laughs> it's Lead Belly. Bad nigger makes good minstrel. Minstrel? Min- minstrel. Minstrel, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there's uh, eventually he's on stabbing number five at some point later. He gets into never end. You know, that's basically you get the gist of what the life is about. Fight, have kids, random different women, fight again, prison, music, get out, repeat that plays throughout most of his life. The dude, in the meantime, he managed to record some songs that, while they were not necessarily his... I mean, he recorded a lot of his own original material, but there were a bunch of things that were kind of popular folk songs whose authorship was sort of lost in time. Yeah, yeah. But his uh, versions are the ones who inspire musicians down the road to crazy level. For example, Gallo's Paul, made famous by Led Zeppelin. It's unbelievable that... I, he recorded in the 30s. Yeah, totally. And it sounds just like it. Yeah, it has that. Just him on the guitar. Yeah, is able. House of the Rising Sun. What was it? The Animals? The, yeah, the group? Yeah, that is great. Yeah. The great song. Another one that he had done, uh, covered, and be- probably made even more famous thanks to his version. Wow. His musical influence, you know, the list goes on and on. Apparently, Johnny Cash was a big fan and uh, got a lot of his stuff. The Grateful Dead covered some of his music. Rolling Stones, Doors, Led Zeppelin. Even more recently, guys like Pearl Jam. Of course, Dylan at some point. You know, it's like he had this influence on decades of music at the top highest level down to this day so it's quite trippy to know the background to the story of this guy yeah rock and roll hall of fame i believe country music hall of fame as well Mm -hmm. unbelievable yeah influence quite a tale and quite the knife salesman yeah apparently really skilled in more than one department some folks are gifted like that yeah he's the caravaggio of the blues yep what happened down there my girl, my girl, don't you lie to me. Tell me where did you sleep last night? Come on and tell me somebody. In the pines, in the pines, where the sun 
Don't ever shine I wish you did Oh, not to It's time to put on my, my gloves of protection and zip. There it is, digital mailbag. Open. What queries lie deep inside? It's There's actually more than usual, so I'm going to apologize in advance because we're not going to be able to touch on all of them now. 20-second answers. We'll, Here we go. What's first? <laughs> no, no. We'll, uh, we'll keep a couple for next time. Sometimes we'll, it just uh, doesn't go your way. Next. We got... Aaron Burcham. Aaron Burr? In uh, Tim Ferry style for a mailbag section, could you share with us the first 90 minutes of the day? I'm sure it varies greatly, but let's try. I guess that's a classic Tim Ferris. Uh, you, you listen ever to Tim Ferris? Tim Ferris was a guitarist for NXS. <laughs> Not that guy. Oh. <laughs> a different, uh, you know, four hour work week, uh, that guy. I have seen his book. He has a super popular podcast. 300,000 downloads. He always says, like, the Kevin Costner as a guest. He has the top, Paul Schwarzenegger, you know, top of Hollywood, top of... He's very well connected, let's put it that way. Um, and there's a great section in one of um, Chris Ryan uh, podcasts about Tim Ferriss that was really funny because one of the things is that Tim Ferriss certainly does a great job. There's no argument about it. There are a lot of... Some of his things are brilliant. Chris Ryan was kind of picking on him because he was like, Tim, I'm glad you are, you know, I read all your stuff. It's all good stuff. But you keep preaching this life of how to work very little, how to eventually just enjoy life, do this, and that you are the most workaholic guy ever because you are, when does it ever stop? And so Chris was trying to poke at some of, in any case, that would make for a good debate between the two of them. But that's not what we mentioned. So let's see. That's one of the classic Tim Ferriss questions on how you start the day. What does it look like? In my case, I think I get kidnapped by the internet really quick. Well, no, I don't. First, I have to wake up Isabella. Come on, Is, get up. Ah, screw you. I don't want to. Come on, Is, get up. So there's like a wrestling match that ensues first thing in the morning. Um, and I'm not a morning person, so I have fucking hate to wake up in the morning alarm clock on a typical day for is i have to wake up at 6 45 which is not bad for a lot of people's lives i'm not built that way like my clock would say go to bed at 1 a.m wake up at 10 a.m that's my happy life so three hour plus earlier than that i'm not happy to wake up I mean, what's your alarm cycle? Is it like beep, beep, beep and up? Because I'll ride that snooze alarm. No, no, I need to get up right away or I'll... Oh, no, it's torture. I hate the snoozing. It's like it, I don't enjoy that sleep. It has to be... I go into full samurai. The alarm sounded. Get your armor on. Weapons on. Go. Get out and kill them all. I have this terrible feature where it, it plays soft music for four minutes. No, 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 no. And then, wake up! No, I jump out in about 0.2 seconds because it's, that's the, in any case. So after is, you know, take her to school, uh, prepare breakfast, take her to school, come back home. That's when I get kidnapped by internet and there's like 300,000 zillion messages to reply to and check. So that takes definitely when we're talking about the first 90 minutes, if we don't include all the going to school, take care of this, that, the other, 
internet tend to be it um i'm less than thrilled with it because you know what it wouldn't be so bad if it ended there the problem is that the rest of the day is often i'm still captured by internet that lassos me in and drag me back over and over i'm trying to untwine myself that's sort of my new year's resolution for every minute i spend on the internet i want to spend with a book yeah i'm with you i'm with you i gotta get back to it i think this christmas i finally reached the point where i will never ever read all the books that I have on standby. No, I mean, there's no... There's no way. Even, even like two, three a week would never get me through the stack that I have organized. Yeah, that's why sometimes I'll get a message from somebody who recommend a book. And maybe it's a really good book that I'm interested in. I'm like, oh man, I'd love to. And then like a week later, they're like, did you get a chance to read it? I'm like, yeah, probably in about four and a half years, I'll yeah. get a chance to check it out. Cause it, the... it, it at least will be up for consideration in exactly. four and a half years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. I guess it's a good thing, though. At least you know it's nice to have that stack there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No better. Definitely, you never get bored. That's for sure. I know. I told you earlier. I shredded the Trevor Noah book, uh, "Born a Born a Crime." It's fascinating. He was born to a black mother and a white father in apartheid South Africa, like mm-hmm. nine years before Nelson Mandela came out of jail. And it was so crazy that he wasn't even allowed to see his parents together in public that his mother had to pretend to be the nanny. And it was Damn. still not cool for the white father to be with a colored child. Right. Because colored was like a third race. Yeah, yeah, of course. And they were geniuses at separating people and making them hate each other. Yeah, yeah of course. So anyway, it's an amazing story and uh, available on Audible. It's fun hearing Trevor do it because he does all the voices. And, right. Oh. And all the crazy African languages, too. Is like, Yeah, I don't think you can hire an actor to do that. No, you cannot. No. And he knows them all. So yeah. he seems to be a smart cat. And uh, that's my book recommendation. On to the next query. On to the next one. This was interesting. It will be from an unnamed person for privacy reason. But basically, this lady told me the story of her friend kind of bringing home this guy. They uh, uh, drank together a little. And, you know, it's like it's obviously clear that he's heading towards some steamy... This is King David's girlfriend. Exactly. He's heading towards some steamy sexual encounter. But somehow the guy gets really aggressive and rather than just mellowing having sex, is a quasi-rape kind of thing, which is bizarre because it's like, you are going to have sex with this woman. It's already all set up. Why do you need, you know, what the hell is that? I'm What's sending the... Leadbelly over to take care of this guy. That's exactly my thinking, you know, because she was asking, is like, how do you change the mindset of somebody who's down that path you don't. Do that's you... a monster and that's not going to change thank you that's my idea to me it's like once you cross certain lines a bullet in the head is the only cure that's proven to be effective because no words are, are going to change the mindset of somebody who's got no empathy you know there's no amount of words are gonna do it so i'm a big fan of you know I would love to be able to say that, yeah, talking with the right words would make a guy like this see the light and he will turn into a pleasant human being. Reality is that if you have gone down a dark path that far, there is no coming back. You know, in this case, the guy's a predator, plain and simple, and no words are going to change that. You know, there's nothing that calm discussions are not going to change that. Uh, this is not about lack of male role models for poor parenting or... Uh, he's a predator because he's got no empathy, you know, and he's chosen to never cultivate it in his life. That's just where it's at. And plus, I don't even care about what the reason is. I mean, we can explore the reason for the sake of understanding the world through somebody else's eyes. But at the end of the day, you know, this is somebody who will 
keep hurting people till the day he dies. Maybe in this way, maybe in a different way, but the end of the day is clearly somebody who's like, where there's the degree of selfishness that's like, I'm going to run over anybody as long as I can get my way. And fellas like this don't tend to get gentler. No, that's not they usually the way it works out in life, that they suddenly mellow out and say, oh, I see the light now. We should all be brothers and sisters. So, yeah, is, my idea also is this, and this is not um, victim blaming in any stretch of the imagination, because somehow in this kind of discussion, the idea is that if you put the accent on what somebody who could be the prospective victim can do, somehow that's victim blaming. That's not what we're talking about at all here. It's nope. about this guy's an asshole and the problem is his. But once we have established that, once we say that there are sharks in the ocean, then how are you gonna deal? What are you gonna do as the person who gets into the ocean? I'm a big fan of the notion of every woman carrying a five-inch knife to be stuck into the vital organs of any predator trying to take advantage of them. That's um, I am quite fond of this idea. I don't. Re I mean, I think is. If enough people did it, my guess is that more predators would think twice about acting on their fucked up instincts. It may not change their uh, mindset. mindset, but it may change their action because you think about what the repercussions are. And So, you know, that's my idea. It's a lot easier said than done because unless you are somewhat trained in this, and I don't mean even trained technically because honestly, learning how to use a knife does not take a genius. You know, you can stick the pointy end into the other guy you do that enough times in practice you get the idea you know you don't need to be a master night fighter to... yeah but if you're up against a monster what happens when that first nick and then how he's gonna go crazy and grab it away and just well see. that's a, that's what i mean training is like yeah. you really need minimal training to make sure that nobody ever takes a knife away from you because it's really not that easy to take a knife away from somebody who vaguely knows what they are doing it's actually really insanely hard. Um, and, you know, so you get a minimal... Um, the technical part you can do fairly quickly, learning how to do it. The tough part is the psychological part, that a lot of people, particularly lots of women, have mental reservation about going from zero to 100, unleashing this insane level of violence on somebody. And there's somehow this idea that I shouldn't. That obviously is a dangerous idea when you're talking about a situation when somebody you're dealing with a predator because you cannot afford to wait to see how it's going to go down. Oh, but maybe if I say the right word, I'm going to defuse the situation. So to be able to make that mental switch from I'm a nice, sweet person who try to find a good outcome for everybody to I'm going to shove a knife through your eyes that's is that's the hard part more than the technique you know is being able to make that mental switch on a psychological level yeah. at the same time having said that i really think it would help a lot if enough uh, nasty predators found themselves on the wrong end of a pointy knife so that's my two cents for uh for this answer i after a couple of messages, this lady did not reply anymore. Maybe I got a little overly bloody in my description of what needs to be done, but that's my thinking. Again, 
granted, I'm the guy who has dreams of sticking knives into people every other time, so I may not be the most psychologically well-adjusted person in the world when it comes to these things. No, but, I mean, it's the most monstrous of acts, pretty much. And yeah. it does deserve to be rewarded with something of the same level. That's, so I definitely understand that. That's my thinking. How would you approach it? Do you see it any different way or...? No, once it's reached that point, um, all bets are off and any means necessary. Right. Because no one should be treated that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That should never be the case. Yeah, precisely. But you are going to mess up the duvet, the the comforter. The yeah, well, again, bloodshed can be part of the decor. Incidentally, here is a life tip for you. When you spill blood for whatever reason on most surfaces... Um, Hydrogen peroxide works wonders. Because it destroys the cells. Yes. So it literally you can have a fairly large pool of blood and you cover it with hydrogen peroxide and it starts disappearing rather quickly. So that's always good to know. This episode of The Drunk House brought to you by Dexter. Exactly. <laughs> Holy shit. Funky music means one thing, and that's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Taos Podcast. Look at that, we made it all the way through another one. Yes, we did. Uh, on a rare, rainy Los Angeles day. Oh, how much are you liking it? I dig it. It's amazing, like, the whole color palette of the entirety of the landscape shifts. Oh, totally. It's from beautiful. that sun-bleached, sort of, you know, endless, dry, dusty... Now we've got dark hues in the yeah. soil. Bluish clouds. Everything going, oh, clouds. Yeah. Beautiful. It's like you forget about clouds. No, I love the colors. This is the best season for taking a look around at LA. Nope, it's all green right now, and it's unbelievable. It'll be that way till February. Yep. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, thank you again to Datsusara, Shore Design, and Donnit. You guys, please, at some point, check out their websites to see if there's anything that they sell that you can use. We don't never want to sell you something that doesn't really help you in your life, but if we can, please check them out. Shall we give a quick thank you to the sweet folks who donated to us? Well, absolutely. Thank you, everybody. Here Let's we go. Let's do that. Let the pottering begin. We have Gordon Cinco, Jonathan Faust. I have no idea how to pronounce your last name. Sorry, Jonathan. Uh, Andreg Rapetian, uh, Richard Kern, Robert Primos, Stephen McKee, Maurizio Mezzatesta, Jonathan Waterloo, Alexander Kuzner, Aaron McLaughlin. Love. Not a repeat name. Yeah, it's almost all repeats, pretty much. There are a couple of exceptions, but those guys are our heroes. We can't thank you much. Absolutely. Um, Amazon, please use our Amazon link. It's deeply appreciated. doesn't cost you an extra dime. Bookmark it when you get it. That way you never have to think about it again. Every time you want to use Amazon, just go on the bookmark and that take care of it. It helps us a whole bunch. Um, thank you to Daisy House for the music. If you are beginning to get Valentine Day chocolate, check out Coracao chocolate. There's a link in the episode notes with discounts available. Worth a shot by all means. Uh, of course, our t-shirts. If you guys can use a t-shirt, even though it's cold, you can want to show your manly muscles somehow. They hug them in short design material with the awesome designs by Savannah M., 
check them out. And it'll be spring break before you know it, and you know you want to be sporting your drunken Dallas gear when you're... Always and forever. Speaking of t-shirts, uh, Savannah also has a few with this company called Fight Chicks. I'll put a link in the episode notes. There's a discount, Drunken and the number 20. If you get a discount order in through them, she has a few designs. She has her own uh, Savage Buddha logo. That she has uh, That one is cool. She's creating some on Tomoe Godzen, the female samurai that we had discussed in, the, in a previous Drunken Taoist episode. Yes, so yes. check those guys out. And as usual, all of these things are in the episode notes. Um, of course, the usual, you know, Taoist lecture series, if you want to check it out. My book, Not Afraid. There's the audiobook version. Um, all of the good stuff. You know, this very well could be the, the, the last episode before the uh, new podcast uh, censorship department has to... You know, I'm not even stressing. Like, the whole political landscape, I find it always depressing. I just find it more or less depressing at different points in time. And as much as I was pretty disgusted with the idea of a Donald Trump presidency and i will be disgusted for the next four years with it uh, it's not that i was going to be happy with a clinton one i was going to be grossed out one quarter of an inch less maybe yeah. on a good day well, i don't even know and it's what's funny you know at the end of the day when you look back eight years ago the right was in the same sort of funk that, oh he's got the whole congress just, uh, and he's just gonna, that's the and the, the democrats are just going to block 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 just like always yeah. and just Flipping hats and... I don't even want to... To me, right now, it's wasted time in the sense that there's really nothing I can do about it right now. Doesn't mean I'm not going to pay attention to some news or focus on specific issues if I do think that I have any kind of way to affect them. Yeah. But I'm going to try not to stress about a game that's innately fucked up and that you have very little power to change. Um, not the best use of my energy. Hey, there's an envelope here. Apparently, you've been assigned to go build the wall. Right? That's the... <laughs> hey, at least I got a job. <laughs> nice. All right, back to Boot Factory for me. Cool. Well, you guys have an awesome day. We shall see you for episode 104. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. No, you don't. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead.
Awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour here. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're out. Okay, sorry. So let's, so let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> Just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work.